You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 20, and chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes on earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before you, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven and my own new name. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of the Lord. Those are, <clears throat> should be some familiar words for those of you that have been with us. Uh, the first part there in the, uh, in what uh, J.D. just read uh, is the description of Jesus that John saw when he was on the island of Patmos. And uh, <clears throat> we are in the sixth of the seventh letter, seven letters, uh, just seven verses, 194 words, uh, but it's... Uh, Jesus is calling the church upward here, and what, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through those, uh, and as we do, we will, um, we'll be looking for uh, five things that Jesus gave the Christians in Philadelphia that would help them hold fast, that would help them finish well, uh, in, in, even in the midst of all they were facing. Uh, so these are five, five truths for staying strong. Uh, heaven's door is open. Satan is defeated. Suffering is now purposeful. Jesus' return is sudden, and eternity is intimate. Okay, whoa, that's a lot. I'm not going to give you a quiz over this. Uh, but I am going to ask you as we go through this that you pick one of these that God speaks to you especially about today. Uh, as a truth that he wants you to hold on to and think about this week. This is, this is all packed into this brief message that uh, the angel delivered from Jesus to the church in Philadelphia. So we'll, we'll talk here about uh, what life in Philadelphia was like, kind of to set the context. It'll help the letter make some more sense. Then we'll go through and see what Jesus' message was to the Christians there, and then we'll cycle back through and we'll look at what's Jesus' message to I life at the University of Illinois that's in these verses. So um, before we pray for the rest of our time here, I want to tell a story to kind of back up and think about what, what is the purpose of, of this book of Revelation? Uh, who, knows it, who knows how the book starts? It's called The Revelation of... Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me, t- let me tell you a story. Uh, this is about a friend of mine uh, whose name is Joe Alonji. Uh, and let me tell you how I met Joe. Uh, <clears throat> we, uh, our, our little church that I uh, told you about a while ago back at the University of Kansas, we, w- we were having a, um, a meeting together with a, a community church in Kansas City nearby. Uh, and <clears throat> so we after dinner the first night, uh, there was a dining room full of people, uh, all, all with uh, the noise of eating, conversing, about 200 people. I think we were in a church basement. Anyway, it was, it was loud, uh, and all this conversation was going on. And, and I, was, I was responsible for uh, introducing the evening's activities, and I thought, how, how is this ever going to happen? Who's going to ever, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a whistle uh, you know, there was probably somebody who would whistle for me, but I thought, how am I going <clears> to, <throat> how am I going to wrangle this group? And uh, someone said, oh, well, there's no problem. Joe is here. Oh, okay. Well, what does Joe do? Well, Joe plays the violin. 
well, I, I had heard that he was a violinist. I thought, that's cool. It'd be great to have a violinist in the worship band. Uh, that's a pitch right now if there's any violinist <laughs> sitting here. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, he plays violin. Well, he has his instrument. I thought, well, yeah, but I don't have a PA. There's no music. There's no band. They said, no problem, no problem. Just, let, just tell Joe. Okay, so I said, Joe, uh, <clears throat> I, need, I need to get everyone's attention here and uh, introduce the evening speaker. And <clears throat> so Joe put his violin up to his chin, and he started to play. And in, in about 10 seconds, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. The only sound was Joe playing the violin. Because he, <clears throat> I, knew, I knew he had played with the Kansas City Philharmonic, but I didn't understand the, the, the power <laughs> that, that Joe could pull out of those strings on that piece of wood. And <clears throat> I didn't really, that was my introduction to Joe, and I did get to be in a worship band with him for several years, and it was, it was great fun. Uh, <clears throat> but that was, that was how I began to know Joe. And you know, we've all, <clears throat> many of us here have begun to know Jesus Christ. And whether or not you know him yet as your Savior, there are probably things you know about him as well. But you know, we've only begun to know who Jesus is. We've only begun to understand what he can do. <clears throat> and that's why the book of Revelation, that's why we have that today. Because God wants us to go deeper, all of us to go deeper in our, revel in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so hopefully as we look at what Jesus gave to the Christian church in Philadelphia to help them know him at a deeper level, we'll be able to draw on that and know him more as well. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so much more than we can even imagine. Lord, help us as you help the church in Philadelphia. Help us understand what it takes to continue to pursue you, to continue to keep your word, to continue to not deny your faith, your name. No matter what happens, no matter what circumstantially comes upon us in our life, Lord, I pray we're going to be with you forever. Lord, I, I just pray that that would sound even better to us than it does right now after we, after we see who you are in these, in these seven verses. Thank you for it. Thank you for your spirit's presence here. You said, Jesus, you would send your spirit to reveal the things about you to us. And that's what we want, Lord, more than words. We want to hear your spirit Reveal yourself to us. Amen. Uh, all right. Well, <clears throat> life in Philadelphia. Uh, so <clears throat> Philadelphia is in Turkey. There's a, let me show you here where it is. Uh, there we go. This looks familiar uh, with, the, with the letters we've read from uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, and now we're to Philadelphia. We've almost made the whole loop. It was a very fertile area for grapes, vineyards. As a matter of fact, uh, still raisins come from there. Uh, I, 
uh, Meyer didn't carry them, but, you, <laughs> but it's still known for its, uh, how fruitful the soil is. But they were also known kind of for their, their vulnerabilities. One of them you can't see on this map, but Philadelphia was, loaded, was located on an earthquake fault line. Bummer. Uh, they, uh, they had a, a major earthquake in, uh, let me get the year right here, in AD 17. Uh, Sardis was also impacted by that. Uh, we know about it because uh, the emperor, Tiberius, actually gave them a five-year tax break to recover from the effects of the earthquake. Uh, so it was pretty severe. Uh, <clears throat> because of their vulnerability to quakes, uh, and actually there was another one uh, that happened in, this, in the, um, I want to say in the 60 AD, anyway, there was another one that, that impacted uh, Laodicea as well. Uh, so <clears throat> because of this, uh, they, and they, they didn't have fault-proof buildings and construction, so a lot of people did not live in the city where they, would, they could be hit by falling pillars. Hmm, that may show up later. Uh, the, uh, <clears throat> they actually lived out on their farms. Uh, so they would be safe during an earthquake. Yeah, that was uh, AD 60 that the second quake that we know of hit that area. So another vulnerability they, they had was due to their, they were kind of monocroppers, grapes were their big thing. So what happened in, uh, in 92 AD was Domitian, uh, he, he cut grape production in half so that they had more space to grow grains for his armies and military uh, endeavors. So that kind of, that, that didn't sit well with them because they felt like they had been very loyal. At one point, they'd even renamed the city uh, Neo, uh, Neo uh, Caesar, uh, something like that. Uh, and then now, that, now they were, they were forcing, being forced to take a back seat. So they... They were, uh, they were known uh, as kind of, yeah, being vulnerable and be, being impacted by their circumstances. So all of this is going to play into exactly what we're going to read now about them. So let's, let's jump into the letter. Uh, <clears throat> so here we are in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Okay, so the opening and, sh opening and shutting thing, that kind of makes sense um, in terms of God's sovereignty. He, he can do things that no one can resist or overcome. Um, it's interesting here in, in uh, the New American Standard that is up on the screen, it uses holy and true as adjectives. Uh, actually, uh, they, they could also be uh, read as titles. He is the holy one. He is the true one. And what John is doing here and will increasingly do is using titles for Jesus that were uh, for 
God the Father in the Old Testament. And uh, the book of Revelation is, uh, is a real uh, documentary on the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> so what's this thing with the key of David? Uh, those of you that uh, had study Bibles and looked that up for your discussions this week know that that's, that's a direct quote from Isaiah 22. Uh, Isaiah 22, 22, easy reference to remember there. Uh, he says, I will on that day set the key of David uh, on his sho- of the house of David on his shoulder. He who opens, no one will shut, and he who shuts, no one will open. And that's, that's in relationship to a key uh, in a house, which the steward had uh, administration of. And whoever had the key could let people in or keep them out. And uh, so this is a prophecy that, that in uh, David's line, there would come someone that would have this key, and it would be a key to the kingdom of David uh, or to the throne of David. And so it's, um, so it's saying here that uh, Jesus is the one who can let people into heaven, uh, which is which is reflected in the very next verse, verse 8. He says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. He says, I know your deeds. He says that to all but a couple of them. Uh, And usually he goes on to talk about the deeds. Uh, But here, he doesn't talk about their deeds. Uh, It's like almost his excitement at what he's going to say. Uh, He jumps forward and says, uh, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. And uh, so what I, I, I got to listen in on some of the discussions about what that door could possibly be. Uh, I think because of what we just read, that he has the key of David. And so that's, that represents the key to entrance in the kingdom of God, that the door he's talking about here is the door, door to heaven. Uh, we know right in the next chapter, chapter 4, uh, starts off uh, saying, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Uh, the, uh, there's also reference in Acts where Paul and Barnabas come back from their first missionary journey, and they report that, that God has opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So... There are, there are other doors talked about in the New Testament. Most of them have to do with preaching, with communicating the word of God. But I think this door is just talking about the door to heaven. Uh, the, uh, and uh, uh, I, I, I dearly love this verse. This, is, uh, this has been a, uh, a super uh, motivator to me uh, many times in my life. He says, I put before you an open door uh, which no one can shut. Uh, and so that, that phrase of open door just speaks of opportunity, doesn't it? There's, there's, uh, and, and those of you who, who are opportunists like myself, that's like a magic word. Uh, it's like, what? There's, a, <laughs> there's an opening? There's a chance? You know, there's, uh, and I'm just, I'm just thinking how the world uses that and how often... Coles wants me to know I have a chance to use my coal bucks. 
but it's going to expire, right? I mean, in a sense, we're all opportunists at heart. Uh, salespeople know this, uh, but that's just because uh, God wants us to tune in to an opportunity that he's giving us right here, and that is that the door to heaven is open. And then these next words, uh, I don't know, uh, they're probably, you could, could just learn all 194 of these words, but, but I can commend these words to you. I put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you felt when you read that. Uh, we'll come back to that and see what has, uh, God is saying to our church because of that. But uh, some translations say, but because you have a little power. Uh, this, this word little uh, is, is uh, micros, you know, uh, microscopes. I mean, they had so little power. Uh, they had to f- find it under a microscope. They, uh, they had a little power. Well, let me ask you this question. How much power does it take to go through a door that's open? So uh, probably uh, that uh, this little power that they're talking about, this is not meant to be derogatory. Uh, this is actually meant uh, to be a commendation because they were moving forward with all the power that they had. And so uh, if you wanted to just... Uh, Memorize a phrase from this. Uh, you have a little power. Uh, I, I could commend that to you. Uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that got me out of bed this morning. <laughs> uh, you have a little power. That's all it takes. If, if God has put an open door in front of you. Uh, and it says, you've kept my word and have not denied my name. Those are kind of both two sides of the same coin. Uh, they, they kept his word. Uh, in spite of op- opposition. All right. Uh, let's look uh, at, at this point. He's about to talk about the opposition uh, they, uh, they face. Um, but then he, he jumps in with the word behold. He says, behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie, I will make them come and bow down on your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Um, so <clears throat> he's, he's excited here. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, the punishment for uh, those who were uh, their adversaries uh, was just to uh, make them know that he, he loved them. I wondered if he put it in there in case there was anybody feeling bad about being told they had little power. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, you have a little power, but, but I still love you, and I'm going to make your enemies recognize that. Um, Satan gets coverage in, uh, in four of the letters, but this is not... Uh, the, these, are, these are people, they don't, they don't worship Satan, uh, they don't Maybe they don't even talk about Satan. Uh, these, these are just Jews that they are in proximity with because that's where the church started, right? <laughs> the church started with Jewish converts. And, uh, and so in the church, there were, there were Jewish believers, but there were also Jews who, who were not believers and who, who weren't in favor of all the Gentiles coming in. And so they... they uh, they didn't talk nice to them, and uh, they. But it wasn't their words 
it was Satan's. Because we don't struggle with flesh and blood, uh, but with spiritual forces. So I think it's just interesting here. Uh, you know, there's strong language uh, in some of the other letters about this is where Satan dwells, this is the synagogue of Satan, uh, and this is uh, just recognizing that we are in a, a spiritual battle uh, and um, the, the devil doesn't always wear horns. Uh, and so we need to recognize what's from him and what's not. Uh, the next verse, in verse 10, uh, he kind of resumes this idea of you've, uh, you've not denied my faith because he says, you've kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So the word of my perseverance, well, what's that? Uh, the word perseverance, uh, this is a word endurance. It occurs in the New Testament 32 times. Seven of them are in Revelation. And this is why, this is why John was on Patmos. <laughs> he got exiled there because he was enduring. I'm sure if he'd just shut up talking about Jesus, they would have left him alone. But because he wouldn't, he was on, uh, they, they exiled him. They put him out, well, maybe he can't reach people if we stick him out as surrounded by a body of water. Uh, the, uh, but then, who knew? We're reading his words right now. So uh, the enemy's uh, <coughs> plot uh, always backfires. Uh, and, uh, and so because they had kept that, they were just enduring. That's the word of my perseverance. That's Jesus telling us, you know, it's going to be hard. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it is. And uh, following Christ is hard. Uh, when, when Paul came to Christ, what, what did God say? I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer. <laughs> I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my kingdom. But uh, the payoff is, uh, there's a big payoff. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Those who dwell on the earth, by the way, uh, this is kind of a, also a technical term. Uh, it's 10 times in the book of Revelation, and it, ref and it refers to people who are deceived by the beast in Revelation. These are the enemies of the Christians. Th these are the... Uh, so uh, that's, that's who this suffering was going to come on uh, when he says uh, that this is going to test those who dwell on the earth. That's people still following the world and uh, not following God's command. All right, uh, he says then in verse 11, he says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast, which is the, the whole emphasis of this, of this seven verses is, is how, how to hold fast, how to hold on, how to keep going. So, uh, and Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. So I don't know in your discussions if you determined actually how long is that? <laughs> how long did Jesus have in mind? When he says, I'm coming quickly? Uh, I don't know, did your group come up with a number there? I hope not, because, because uh, this quickly is, is here as, uh, as an adverb. Well, I guess, yes. Uh, I'm, I may, may have misspoken, but it's not about when he's coming. It's about how he's coming. And he's not going to come gradually. That's why we don't know when it is. Uh, because if he said, you know, 
coming uh, New Year's Eve 2023. That's not quickly. He's coming quickly, uh, immediately. When he comes, Scripture is clear. He's just going to show up. There's going to be a trumpet. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be like, wait, I'm not packed. He's, gonna, he's going to appear quickly. Uh, and so the, the thrust of this is for them to know that they need to be ready at any time. And Jesus said that, you know, he said, you too be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. His return is going to be sudden. It's going to be like, like the flood hit Noah. And people had, never, people had probably never seen a flood before. They may have never seen rain until, until it was the end, until the door closed and it came. He is coming quickly. And then he says, um, he overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. Uh, he won't have to, uh, like they had to go out of their temples because in an earthquake they would collapse, right? So the idea of, of being in the temple is the idea of safety and that they would have that and that they would be a pillar uh, God tells us right now in Timothy that the church is the pillar in support of the truth. And uh, he says that besides our, our position and our stature in the, in the temple, he says, I will write on the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. So for some of us, this is going to be our first tattoo. Uh, the, uh, and, and, and God's going to do it himself. He says, I will write on them. Um, and, the, and the writing has to do, obviously, with, with ownership, uh, with allegiance, with, with demonstrating our allegiance, and uh, that uh, the New Jerusalem, which he'll talk about later, uh, and the new Jesus' new name, which... We, we know uh, from Revelation 19, so if you want to jump ahead and read, you'll see what the new name is that Jesus had that's going to be revealed to the world when he returns. All right. Uh, so uh, he winds up with, his, with the familiar phrase, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, which is exactly uh, what Jesus said to people when he would preach. He would say, okay, uh, listen, listen with spiritual ears. Um, and so let me, uh, let me run back through these uh, with, with a message to us now as, um, as the line I life, the University of Illinois. So uh, the, he says, um, <clears throat> starting off, he identifies himself as the one who is holy and true. And he says, I know your deeds. Uh, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. So, Illini life, the door to heaven is open. The door to heaven is open and we have a little strength. I love that. I, I collect church names I think that would be great to have a church that's the, we're the church of little strength. We are the church of little strength. Because that's all it takes when the door is open. 
You know, we can, we can mutter a few words that God has inspired. A person can believe that and live forever. The opportunity we have, I call it the whoever opportunity, <laughs> because uh, John 3, 16, uh, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So that's the whoever opportunity. Who is whoever? Well, that's your opportunity. It could be you. <laughs> and that's what it means to trust God and have eternal life. Is you, is you take the whoever and you say, oh, well, well then that's me. If it's whoever, then I'm in there. The door to heaven is open. You don't have to have a lot of strength, a lot of uh, esoteric knowledge, a lot of sacrifice. No, the door to heaven is open. And, we, uh, and that's our opportunity. That's our opportunity. Uh, the, second, the, uh, the second opportunity, uh, or the, the second um, truth that causes us to stay strong is that Satan is defeated. And uh, so <clears throat> we have an enemy. He's called our adversary, tempter, accuser, liar, father, lies, murderer, prince of the power of the air, uh, deceiver and disguise artist. I made that last one up. Uh, but he does disguise himself as an angel of light. And, uh, and this verse, uh, this verse says I, what I believe is, is Satan's main jab at us. What was it that God wanted the enemies of the Philadelphians to know? That he had loved them. And that's the biggest attack that Satan will ever make on your life is that God doesn't love me. He can't love me. I'm not lovable. Uh, <clears throat> the, um, that's his biggest attack. So how do we, how do we resist that? What, what do we do since we have this guy that's against us that's so smart and he's coming at us from all these angles? Well, the, the great thing is that... Um, it's really pretty simple. Uh, first of all, we've got the shield of faith. So the, 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 uh, the way to resist a lie is, is with truth and believing that instead. And the other is, in James, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he, he will flee from you. He will flee from you. So that's, that's what... Uh, that shows that we've got our father standing over our shoulder, right? And he's fleeing because, uh, because he knows we are defended. He says, uh, then, because you've kept the word of my perseverance, I will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. You know, Sykes said, life is hard, and uh, your time at uh, U of I will be hard. Life will just continue to get harder, I can tell you. Uh, through the decades, it does not get easier. But uh, here's what I want you to know, that the suffering is for a purpose. Uh, because we have a perfect heavenly Father, and nothing touches us without his permission. It says that he disciplines us for our own good. So... Um, Suffering is not without purpose. That's a key truth that will help you hold fast. The, uh, <clears throat> he is coming quickly. Uh, hold fast what you have. So the whole, the whole issue that Jesus could appear at any time, 
That shows up in the New Testament. It says, it says don't, uh, don't complain and judge one another because behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Okay, well, I don't want to be whining about someone when Jesus comes back. That's a question that you could ask yourself at any point in time. Is this what I would want to be doing if Jesus walked in? He says, uh, let your gentle spirit be known to all. The Lord is near, and that word near means like proximate. Uh, there's nothing between. He could walk in. He could walk in on us right now. You know, he could walk in and see you doing teardown and going, hey, good job, guys. <laughs> but uh, that's a diagnostic question that I would commend you to because he is coming. He is coming suddenly without warning, and uh, that, is, that helps us hold on and, and not slide. Uh, then we, we uh, looked at the promise to those who overcome. And I just want to emphasize here uh, in verse 12, he says, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven my, for my God and my new name. So, you know, you see tattoos on people and, and, and it's about things that uh, they may someday wish they could forget, right? And so the tattoo removal is a big industry right now if you're wondering what to do when you graduate. Uh, the, uh, because, uh, but, but God, is, God is going to mark us because he wants us. Jesus prayed, I want, Father, these disciples to be with me where I am. Eternity is, is not us floating around trying to find somebody to talk to. Eternity is a relationship with God that just keeps on going. I don't know, somehow this just dawned on me recently. I've been reading this for years. But, you know, so what is eternity? How could that even be interesting, right? Because wouldn't you, like, exhaust everything? And then, like, what is there to know after that? And it's like, oh, no, no, J.D., it's not about doing stuff. It's about the relationship you have with Jesus. Oh, okay, I get that now. I've been married 27 years, and I'm not bored because there's a person on the other side. And, and I don't, I, I, I'll never be bored with my wife uh, because of that dynamic. That It's a living person, and it, it could go on forever. Uh, it won't. We're not going to be married in heaven. Not sure what that looks like. But, but our relationship with the Father, yeah, that's eternity. That's eternity. Eternity is intimate. It's an intimacy. It's the thing that we want, and it's there forever. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you uh, and pray here with the things that, that we started out with. These are, these are the... These are the, the tools, the tips, the truths that God gave to the church uh, in Philadelphia for them to be able to hold on. As things got hard, they would know it's, it's intentional, it's purposeful. They would know that no matter how weak and vulnerable they are and puny, that the door <laughs> was open by God. All they had to do was fall through it. And uh, 
Satan is defeated. God just says, hey, he's going to bow down. As a matter of fact, to humiliate Satan, it says in Romans that the God of peace will make Satan uh, bow be before your feet. Your feet will crush Satan. Uh, so Satan is defeated. Uh, that means we don't have to believe his lies. We do not have to believe the voice that says, you're weak and puny. How can God love you? We don't have to. Uh, Jesus' return is sudden. So that's the way that we can, that's like the litmus test. Do we still test things with litmus? I don't think. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, J.D. says, yeah, we still use litmus paper. That's the test to know whether you're in the spirit. You know, to know whether you're in the right place at the right time. Is this a good place to be if Jesus walked in right now? Because he's coming quickly. And eternity, eternity is with him. And so we have something to look forward to. Let's pray.